You are listening to Kansas City Podcast Network. Talent-driven, FCC-free. Check out our show lineup, videos, events, and more over at kcpn.org. The Voices of Kansas City, unfiltered. Welcome into an all-new edition of this Tailgate Podcast. Uh, another week without Ty. Turns out he did test positive for the COVID last week. Uh, so we're wishing him a speedy recovery. Uh, he just got back his sense of smell today. So that's that's good. Yeah, he uh, told us via text that he can smell what the rock is cooking. So okay. smell what the rock, rock is, cook- is cooking. cooking. People's eyebrow, kind of. So, our Super Bowl predictions were all vastly wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. Score wasn't close. Mm-hmm. Was, it not, was not the Chiefs that took the game. It was mm-hmm. Tom Brady winning his seventh mm-hmm. Super Bowl title. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, Duncan, uh, how are you feeling today? Well... I just, it's, it was funny because after how everything went last season, it was pretty easy as a Chiefs fan as 2020 started to go to shit to tell people, like, well, I mean, here in Kansas City, we won a Super Bowl. You know, that was pretty cool. And I feel like 2020 just was on delay for Kansas City by about a month. And so everything from pretty much February 5th on mm-hmm. is when 2020 was like, yeah, sorry, we were a little bit late. You know, I guess they saw the, the, the 2020 Groundhog saw a shadow or something like I, I don't know. But it was a little bit late to the party in Kansas City. But, yeah, it, def, it decided to carry that little extra month into 2021, as it has in several other occasions mm-hmm. where we've already seen January had a lot of, you know, <clears throat> capital riots and whatnot. But, yes. um, yeah, it decided to hit Kansas City hard and heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that one sucked. Uh, and then it. There was news that happened right before it, and then we just got the news today that legendary Chiefs coach Marty Schottenheimer passed away earlier today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And Therese so, Paler, we just And Therese Paler, we just found out. Chiefs insider who's done a wonderful job for, for the Kansas City Star, and he's most recently been working with Fox Sports. Yahoo Sports. Yahoo Sports. I apologize. Yeah, um, I knew it was one of those other sports <laughs> sports websites. Sorry, yeah. it's, it's, it's just a weird time in, <laughs> That's been a right week. now. It's been a tough five days mm-hmm. for the city of Kansas City. Yeah, the news of yeah the accident that happened with Britt Reed, Britt Reed, and, and a five-year-old child. God bless that little girl. Yeah. Then of course the game, obviously, uh, not going the way that the city of Kansas City would have liked it to go. I mean, everybody is kind of preaching run it back, and I mean, even with the issues that we saw with the Chiefs during the game that. We kind of downplayed uh, mm-hmm. throughout the week. Uh, the offensive line was being the biggest issue. Yep. So Pat Mahomes scrambled for like 497 yards before throwing or taking a sack. Yeah, and you would think uh, that that's a joke, but it's it's not. Yeah, no. yeah. So like the 
yeah, let's let's just get into the game because that was, I mean, it was tough to watch. Haven't seen Kansas City like that ever in the Pat no. Mahomes era. Um, this is but, why this is why I'm wearing I'm wearing all black, <laughs> and I'm still representing Kansas City. It's yes. I don't know. It's kind of hard to see, but. I've still got this on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not wearing a Chiefs hat because they all have NFL logos. This is I'm sporting my other teams that are getting started now. You know, the Blackhawks, mm-hmm. Chicago Blackhawks hockey. This is a Royals hoodie, even though it's black and silver. Oh, man. Why did I buy that if it's black and silver? It's baseball. It's fine. Uh, but <laughs> KC, the Royals. So, But, yeah, I, re- I almost wore my black hat, and then I realized that it says NFL right here. And I'm not on board with the NFL after uh, some of the things that happened on Sunday. But I'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, uh, big storyline about the game was the horrible officiating, um, especially in the first half. Um, but overall, you still were look up. Regardless. Yeah, look up and down the, st- the stats of that game. They didn't play particularly well in any area. Uh, rushing is the only thing where they had a s- respectful numbers, and even then they just didn't do enough of it yep. to really get a full observation of like how, how well they were doing running the ball. I thought, like, when they came out in the second half, they were only down two scores, started running the ball, and running the ball for big chunks, and then mm-hmm. just they kept getting into those passing situations where the receivers were just dropping balls. Well, and it is it is what you said, and this was the big concern, and it was the thing that every time when I told people what I think is going to happen, and it is what I legitimately thought would happen, the one caveat that I always had in the back of my mind and in my gut, honestly, the thing that was churning – was the offensive line. But what I told people, I was like, if they can do, if you can do one game, if you can, like, and that's what, there's a reason there's a saying any given Sunday, mm-hmm. if you can just do one game. But what we saw was the Chiefs were snake bit this season when it came to the offensive line. And it really yep. started, <clears throat> and, excuse me, I'm getting choked up. Um, <laughs> the opt-out. <laughs> it started out, huh? Probably started with the opt-out. The opt-out. And this is not me blaming Laurent Denard, <clears throat> DuVarnay Tardif, because what he was doing is, I legit think, is God's work. And mm-hmm. uh, that was awesome. And <clears throat> he, uh, he's he been largely uh, acclaimed for it, which he absolutely deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, but he himself has admitted that if he could have had the opportunity to come in, as he, I, I literally read a quote from him uh, a month or so ago saying that if he could have come in, gotten on a plane, and had it drop him off and he parachuted down in Arrowhead Stadium and went and suited up and played that day, he wished that he could have done something like that. Like, he badly – like, not that he regretted opting out, but he wishes right. that he would have been given the option to come back at some point during the season, that yeah. it wasn't a full, hey, I'm out for the whole year. Uh, sure. But from there, it was pretty much – we, we can we can withstand that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like we've we've done a good job with depth and – he was our third best offensive lineman. I mean, it's clear that the Chiefs have invested on their offensive line in the tackles, yeah, and including a third-round pick in this past uh, in this past draft. And then when Lucas Niang, that third-round pick, opted out, that was like, okay, well, that hurts the depth a little bit. But they signed Mike Remmers, and mm-hmm. you know, a very good swing tackle. That was a very smart signing, and still, in in retrospect, that was still an ex- exceptionally smart signing. Yeah. But that was something where you knew they needed to stay healthy mm-hmm. at that position. That was per- perhaps outside of quarterback, the most important position for them to stay healthy at. Right. And you had Osemele come in who was an experienced offensive tack or offensive guard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but for the Ravens, the Raiders and maybe one other team in there, but, uh, he Pro Bowl level guard. Yeah. And yeah, he, he gets, gets injured. injured. Um, 
hit midway through the season, and then yeah, both tackles. He got hurt in the Raiders game. Yeah, fifth game of the year, and then yep. the next next week is when we lose Mitchell Schwartz. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing when you lose one Pro Bowl, All Pro level mm-hmm. tackle. The Chiefs lost both before the Super Bowl, and that's right. where it was the inverse of what happened last year, where the Chiefs dealt with a rash of injuries, including Patrick Mahomes, but uh, and Eric Fisher and numerous others last year, Sammy Watkins, which, I mean, that's a broken record, but uh, numerous injuries last year, but they got healthy down the stretch of the season. And when Schwartz got hurt in week six against Buffalo, Mm -hmm. well, it was even really before Buffalo. He was already having the back issues before the game, and then he came out very early in that game. And it was something where it was like, okay, but it's week six, you know, put him on IR, let him sit out a month or so. He comes back, and then it kept on saying, all right, he should be coming back. No, the back injury, it flared up again. Okay, well, maybe he'll come back for the playoffs. Okay, well, he's missing the first playoff game. Maybe that means they're just thinking that they can get him back for the AFC Championship. And then all of a sudden we're at the Super Bowl and he's still on IR. And it's like, okay, that, uh, that's a huge blow. And then yep. when you lose your other one, Eric Fisher, your, your Pro Bowl left tackle. I mean, Mitchell Schwartz was all pro. Eric Fisher's all uh, Pro Bowl. Yes, they are two different things. <laughs> um, but... Uh, then you lose him in the AFC Championship. And what sucks is it was late, too. I think yeah. it was like late third quarter, early fourth quarter. But it was at a point where the Chiefs had pretty much were in control of that game. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you're not going to take him out. You don't know that he's going to tear his Achilles. No. But that's just that's – a, that's literally the an epitome situation of a bad stroke of luck. Right. And that combined – the, the Chiefs' three best offensive linemen that they had last season were not suited up mm-hmm. for the Super Bowl this year. And no, the Tampa Bay defensive line is not as good as the San Francisco defensive line was last year, and that was a point that I made, that Vita Vea was the only player on the Tampa Bay defensive line that would have ranked in the top five on San Francisco's last year, according to Pro Football Focus grades. Right. But just you have to kick out you, – you're already missing – LDT and Fisher and Schwartz, but then you have to kick out Andrew Wiley to right tackle then. Mm-hmm. And so you're missing probably your best interior guard at that point too, your best interior blocker. Yep. And you've got, there's a reason Seven Wisniewski was available to be picked up twice. I love Seven Wisniewski, but, and he, he was huge in helping the Chiefs win the Super Bowl last year. But, again, there's a reason two seasons in a row he's available midseason on the yep. waiver wire. And he's just – he's – Valuable, but it was clear that what he had last year, what he had left, he gave last year. He mm-hmm. just didn't have it as much this year. It's probably That's a guy I wouldn't be shocked if he retires in the offseason. Again, I'm extremely grateful for everything that he did. He helped the Chiefs win a Super Bowl when they were in a bind with injuries. And But he wasn't as good this year as he was last year. And then Austin Ryder is, Austin Ryder is, uh, Ryder is a replacement-level player Absolutely. at center. And he was probably the second-best guy on the field second best lineman on the field for the Chiefs on Sunday and that's not something you want no and that's something I I you know I've I talked about last year that I wanted them to draft offensive linemen they did draft it in the third round that's just bad luck there's just right I I when you look at who is still on the board though in the first round it makes the Clyde Edwards Hilaire pick like okay it's a luxury that we that you decided to take in the first round because you wanted to make your quarterback happy mm-hmm. with a pick of his own. But if you could go back and with context of like what he brought this year, as opposed to what a starting quality offensive lineman could have brought, 
in hindsight makes that pick like, ugh, why did we do that? But I mean, you can't you can't draft that way. No, and that was I mean that was something I think you can I I think even last year I told you guys that I want offensive line. That's yep. what I wanted to see the Chiefs get. I really wanted to see Cesar Ruiz, and all credit to the Saints. They traded they up and went and yeah, got him. That's traded up. I think if he's on the board, they they probably take him. Probably. I but. think he and we saw what he did for the Saints. Mm-hmm. He was a big boon to their offensive yeah. line, and uh, New Orleans had an outstanding offensive line. Mm-hmm. And that's something the Chiefs need to look at is I've seen th- the, they just they the, need to invest. The USC center, I think, uh, mocked to you guys quite a bit. Uh, that was going to be my next point is I don't want to see another damn mock. The most recent mock I saw, and I can't remember who it was, but I saw us going wide receiver nope, at 31. Nope, I don't, don't want a wide it. receiver. I don't want a cornerback. Yeah. I don't want a pass rusher. Nope. We've already got $200 million defensive linemen. We need offensive line help. If you're going to take a pass rusher, take a, a project, you're still investing a lot of money into those the guys that you've paid lately. Like, Yes, is that game clearly proof that you need more depth up? Pass rushers? Mm-hmm. Sure. That was but another bad story. Lucky with injuries. Is Taco Charleston being out? Yeah. What, uh, and I'm not a huge Taco fan. I, I he no, bro- but provides he, he depth. was providing, but he he was sure. also that third pass rusher, sure. and the Chiefs pass rush was best when he was on the field. Sure. Um, Sorry to interrupt. No, no, you're fine. Uh, but when you look at that game, you just have to protect Mahomes better because Todd Bowles. Give credit where credit's due. Oh, absolutely. He had an incredible game plan. They created a pass rush with only rushing four guys. And honestly, I kind of blame the Chiefs for not adjusting. I saw that 92% mm-hmm. of uh, Pat Mahomes' uh, pass plays, I think it was 48 out of 52, they only had five guys protecting. Yep. Uh, not adjusting when that clearly wasn't working uh, is a big hit to the Chiefs' offensive staff because – you can say what you want about wanting as many pass catchers on the field, and you can still have Kelsey Chip. You can still have your running back help block. It's Anthony get, Sherman. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you have enough talent at all, all those positions to where keeping one or two guys in, it also is going to affect how they have to play it. So they mm-hmm. can't just drop so many guys in coverage. They're going to have to keep more guys in the box because you're keeping more in the box. Like. So, like, the excuse that I've seen out of a lot of people, like, oh, you, you can still prepare for a good pass rush by having five guys, sure, but if that's not working, you have to adjust. And you have to work. scheme. You have to scheme to be able to figure out right. how to at least limit what that pass rush is yeah. doing to create an, on, extra, in, an extra second and on for Mahomes can make a 50, world of difference. 52 of those dropbacks, they created pressure on it's either 38 or, or early 40s. Mm-hmm. And they got pressure on – Almost 40 plays of your 52 dropbacks were the Chiefs only got pressure on five plays all game. Yeah, and it was early. It's insane. That was yeah. that was early because I I even te- <laughs> I even texted them. I was like, it's sh- it's shark infested waters yeah. down there in Tampa because that was a seemingly a big momentum sack for the Chiefs by Frank Clark there, mm-hmm. and that was right out, that was a play right after he diagnosed a uh, a trick play by Tampa Bay and made a ta- made a play on their their ball carrier three four plays in the backfield. Yep. Back to I don't remember if it was a jet sweep, if it was a screen. It was some kind of play that they clearly were thinking that they were going to uh, catch the Chiefs sleeping, and yep. Clark was all over it. Yeah. Uh, and so, but it just, after that, yeah, it was just the protection was terrible. Todd Bowles, I will give a great deal of credit to, but I and will Byron also Leftwich. say it with, and Byron Leftwich, but, uh, with, but also with the caveat that it helps when their three best offensive linemen aren't on the field. For sure. Like no it's, doubt. it was, 
It but was. Uh, that's it what was, they were taking. But that they took they it. But that's what you like, have to do. You have to take advantage. We're going to create pressure with four because they, their best offensive lineman isn't even, even isn't even a Pro Bowl caliber offensive lineman. No, He's not even remotely close. Not remotely close to that. So they knew that they would be able to get pressure with four yeah. all day. And so, so no, it was that, that's where I will give them a great deal of credit. They they. It, it was uh, just, again, bad stroke of luck for the yeah. Chiefs over the course of the season mm-hmm. with the tackle situation, and and the Buccaneers absolutely took advantage of it. So I, I will – Todd Bowles, he went out there and he drew up just the absolute perfect game plan to get Mahomes off his feet. Definitely. And I will give a lot of credit there because, uh, I mean, again, they held the Chiefs out of the end zone. And so mm-hmm. that offensive line issue is something that the Chiefs really need to work on um, and I will, uh, when you say Byron Leftwich, I will say that Leftwich, what the, the, the corrections, the adjustments that the Buccaneers made in the last quarter of the season mm-hmm. when they just took out all the stuff that wasn't working, the yep. complex stuff, and just went with what worked, that was smart. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes there's a, sometimes it literally comes down to let's just dumb it down to what, just to the, the easiest things, no matter how simple they are. If they're working, don't, don't fix it. You know, right. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But, and this is where I am going to get into the officiating. It, it's really easy to let Tom Brady operate like that. It's really easy to draw up plays like that when you know, when Brady has the confidence to be able to throw the ball where he wants to, knowing that one way or the other, he's going to get the yards. Mm-hmm. Whether it's his guys actually making the plays or whether it is the officiating crew throwing flags. Because that officiating crew was all over the Chiefs' secondary, and the secondary is the strength of the defense. And the secondary had played exceptionally well. And this is not like it's a one-off that we've seen with Tampa Bay getting beneficial favorite call, favorite, favorite kind of calls, some favoritism. Because we saw that happen in the Green Bay NFC Championship as well. Sure. And I don't – like I. I don't like to play that conspiracy theorist. I don't like to do that. But, man, when you saw how many things that they were letting Tampa Bay, just just anything. I mean, you had the, the specific examples that, that just dr- jump out in my mind was when Teron Matthew got an interception off of a tip. And then away from the play, they call a defensive hold. That was a real tic-tac defensive hold. I mean, that was mm-hmm. – there was a lot of other plays that were that should have been called holding if that was also called holding throughout the game on either team that were not called. And some less egregious plays that were called. To do that on a play that's away from the ball on a turnover, is it's just ridiculous. And this is my point with the officiating is you see a lot of ticky-tack stuff get called. But what we always ask for is at least do it. At least do it. If you're going to call it loose, if you're going to call it close, at least do it across Both the board. Ways, yeah. And that was clearly not the case because you were seeing on Chiefs, I can think again, three different occasions when the Chiefs were trying to convert on third down where the receiver got hit before the ball got there and no flags were thrown whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then multiple occasions where when the Chiefs were trying to stop the Buccaneers, play or drive extending flags were thrown. You think about the offside or the, the – uh, uh, line or the player lined up in the neutral zone on the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay field goal that gave them a first down, and then they went and scored a touchdown. 
the very next drive for the Chiefs, you see multiple times the Buccaneers, you see that blue line and you see Buccaneers helmets or Buccaneers hands on or over that blue line. Mm-hmm. So why is that the one time when you call, why is it on a field goal that then it's fourth and five and you can give them a first down? Why is that the only time that that's called in that game? Right. And, and then, of course, and this is another thing that, that bewildered me and other people I was watching with, when they show the replay and Tony Romo, who Romo was on one, but anyway, that's, I'm clearly biased in that, but I just, Romo, I, I, Romo went down a few ticks in my book and a lot of other Chiefs fans' book after this one. But um, Romo pointed out, he's like, see, you can see he's lined up, lined up and, you know, and he circles the player that, that is in the, uh, in the neutral zone. The camera angle is five yards behind the play. There's no way in hell that you can – or behind the line of scrimmage. There's no way in hell you can see where the player is actually lined up. Like, that was a horrible camera angle by CBS. And given that that's such a crucial play, it's not like you don't have a, a camera right there along the line of scrimmage. To be able to show, why don't you show that replay? But anyway, that was a game-changing spot. The interception, that was a game-changing spot. And then, and this is something I will blame on Andy Reid because when it was 40-something seconds left in the first half and the Buccaneers, we got the field goal to make it 14-6 to and the Buccaneers had the ball and they were just going to, it seemed like they were probably just going to run out the clock. Maybe try to get in field goal range, but they only had one timeout, and then the Chiefs started using their timeouts. And I immediately looked over at, at uh, friends and my buddy Ponch, and I was like, what, why? Why are we doing this? Are we really, with how our offense has been tonight, are we really going to try to get them to punt? So we have the, what, maybe 30 seconds to try to do something? I'm sorry, just take, you're only down by eight. You're down one possession at that point. Take mm-hmm. that into halftime. We've got the ball coming out. Correct. And... Because in the back of my mind, after what I'd seen with the officiating crew, I was like, I, it wasn't even so much worried. I wasn't even so much worried that that Tom Brady was going to do a huge play to Scotty Miller like he did against Green Bay in the NFC Championship. What was in my mind was this can turn badly with how the uh, how the officiating has been in this game. And sure enough, on a third down, on a deep pass to Mike Evans, when Bashad Breland falls down, and if there was any contact there, it may have been his hand brushing up against his calf as he fell down on a ball that was 10 yards past Mike Evans and they call pass interference. I just can't wrap my head around that one. That was bad. And then in the end zone right after that, when they throw, they throw a, another one that was 10 yards above the receiver going out of bounds and they call defensive hold. They call. They didn't even call defensive holding. They called pass interference on Teron Matthew in the end zone there. When if anything, you sh- like holding would have been the right right call. Either way, it was in the end zone. But it shouldn't have been anything called. Period. And it was un- an uncatchable pass anyway. And they still called it. And you could see at that point that was when the Chiefs, the Chiefs defense. You knew you could see their reaction on the sidelines. You could see it was also when Teron Matthew. Like, Tom Brady gets in Teron Matthews' face as Matthews run off the field. Mm-hmm. Matthew runs back and does just a little, like, ice, like finger pointing. Mm-hmm. And then Tom Brady runs another 15 yards after Teron Matthew to get back in his face. And they call the unsportsmanlike conduct on Teron Matthew in that whole ordeal. And I think that, that was the moment when the Chiefs knew we're up against it. Like, we were playing 11 against 17 at that point. It was just the the refs were not doing any favors for the Chiefs. Not that they should be, but just call a freaking even game. It's the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. If there's one game to do it, and again, I'm sorry for, for being that that person, that con, that conspiracy theorist. But when when you saw how many people 
were at halftime or, in, or at, at, during those moments were on Twitter, on Facebook, or just on social media, period. And then even the halftime crew, Boomer Esaias and Nate Burleson, being critical of the officiating, there's something to it. This isn't just a Kansas City bias. This was, there was some ridiculous thing that was happening, and it was completely favoriting the Buccaneers, which they have Tom Brady, so that's going to play right into that narrative. And that's something mm-hmm. the mayor of Kansas City even tweeted, tweeted it. you got to love a narrative. Way to go, NFL. I mean, that's where you, Todd Haley tweeted about it, somebody who hates the Chiefs. Uh, Jalen Ramsey hates Tyree Kill. is like proven Tyree Kill hater or known. He's tweeting about it. Like you got a lot of players tweeting about it. Former coaches. I mean, it was just. It was. I, I'm. I'm done with this Dietrich now because ultimately there's nothing I can do about it. And ultimately at the end of the day, the offensive line had enough issues. Todd Bowles took advantage of that with a great game plan, scheming perfectly to to limit Patrick Mahomes, and that we were out coached. And we were already outgunned when it came to their de- defensive line against our offensive line. We were outmanned completely. Mm-hmm. And so we were already going to be up against it. And then it was the officiating that pretty much just buried it in the first half. And then, again, Andy Reid's decision to try and call the timeouts to get the ball back, basically giving them two free timeouts. And I love Andy Reid, and I'm yeah, rarely critical of Very Andy Reid. But that was not – and I was calling it at that moment. I was like, why are we doing this? And they're like, hey, calm down. You know, people are like, hey, calm down. I was like, no – this is Tom you. Brady. Yeah. This can be this Tom Brady. It's bad. It's been bad officiating. Like, mm-hmm. and so that that is just a confluence of factors that it just stacked the deck way too high against the Chiefs for sure. But yeah, my my whole point um, it, about the game is when it's a one or two possession game, you can make it all about the officials. Yep. Yep. Uh, the Chiefs' game plan was awful. They didn't make good adjustments at all at halftime. And I know <clears throat> your view of Tony Romo because of that game is probably skewed, but he just calls what he what he, he does. sees. He does. And he called it right before the half. He goes, I don't I don't know how the Chiefs are going to get back in this game because they're not doing anything particularly well. Oh, and, that, and that's what I people were just like, hey, calm down. We'll figure something out at halftime. I was like, guys, There's, I don't. This, this not, just yeah. doesn't. This doesn't look good, and unless your O line just gets better miraculously at the half, yeah, like which just doesn't happen. It's just not going to happen. And I, I do like to to that point. I just want one quick thing that, it, yeah. like, the one thing that Romo really, the thing that was irritating me is when he kept saying he's like the Chiefs are, they do this. This is this is a team that that this is what they do. They they get a lot of these penalties and they do a lot of this stuff and this is how they play. And I, it was it was blowing my mind because I'm like Tampa Bay does the same damn thing. Look at what they did. Mm-hmm. And he was like they're one of the worst about that. But anyway, that that is who Tony Romo is. So ultimately, yeah, that's he he was yeah. he called it like he saw it. Yeah, we yeah, saw we just that saw that right before yeah. the show came on. Oh, you're good. Yeah, it's the Therese Paler news. It just came out of nowhere. It's a 37 year old chief beat writer for years for the Kansas City Stars, working with Yahoo, Yahoo Sports. Now, just, yeah. Passed away today, and it's yeah, just another. After Marty Schottenheimer passes away, just yeah, unreal. So yeah, um, thank you, Grant. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, Grant. Um, Um, But it's and you are absolutely right. We ultimately we lost by 22 points. And what I told people afterwards, I was like, it was the officials that stacked the deck against us in the first half because we could have gone in and Andy Reid's decision because we could have gone in again with just eight points. 
It was us in the second half. Mm-hmm. Like, it, we just got our asses kicked by Tampa yeah. Bay in the second half. We kept trying plenty, to do the same thing. Plenty of opportunities to get back in that game and just didn't. Happen. We just did not do it. Yeah. We Again, we couldn't get in the end zone. Yep. And so, sorry, carry on. No, I just good. like because I um, I do like, and that's where people were like, I have my buddy Ponch keeps on trying to. Well, it's the officials, it's the officials. Like you can say that in the first half, right? But then we had a whole other mm-hmm. thirty minutes where mm-hmm. it was still only a fifteen point game, mm-hmm. and we've seen the Chiefs come back from that for sure. But it was again in the second half, the, the issues continued with the offensive line, and the Buccaneers Honestly, just un- kicked our was, ass until there was like under eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. I honestly fully expected you guys to make that like little bit of comeback, at yeah. least get it within a score. And if like the the Bucks score to put it away, then they then that happens. But that's the thing about that offense. We've seen it so many times in the Pat Mahomes era where you get down early and nothing seems to be going your way, and then all of a sudden they just flip a switch. And I feel like everybody kind of expected that to happen because like being. A bartender, you see a trend when you're when you're bartending for big games mm-hmm. where people will give up hope at a certain point. The Chiefs don't really have that. No. People didn't start, like, giving up and leaving the game until under eight minutes to go, and they're still not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're still not making those plays they usually make. And I, I don't I, – I, you guys are a team that's – and I know I mentioned a couple weeks ago, like, never just expect to be back because, I mean, the Seattle Seahawks – Basically did the same thing. Won a title in Russell yep, Wilson's that's what I was thinking. second year. Went back the next year. Lost to Brady uh, in that goal line situation. And then they've never been back. Yeah. And, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, never been back. Drew Brees, never been back. But, like, it just feels different with Kansas City. I mean, Pat Mahomes has that talent level. And I feel like you're such a well-run organization that they're going to get the players they need at those positions. It just sucks when, like, you have that special season. You're 14 and two, and I mean, one loss was when half the team didn't play. And you go through the playoffs. You have a tough playoff schedule. You played some great teams, and overcame some ridiculous yeah, adversity in that played. Cleveland game. And it shows a lot. Like I, one of the tweets that I that I agreed with wholeheartedly because I, I mean, it's how I felt going into it. It's like how many people thought, like seeing the issues that you guys had with the offensive line going in, you're like, yeah, the Bucks definitely have a chance, but I'm not fucking picking against Pat Mahomes. Because mm-hmm. I thought that last, the, a couple weeks ago when we were thinking, I was like, man, Eric Fisher's out, Mitchell Schwartz is out. You're, like, you already have Tardif and Assembly out. That's four starting quality offensive linemen, obviously for three positions. But that's a lot to overcome, but I still don't want to pick against Pat Mahomes. I still can't do it. Yeah, Can't bring myself to do it because we've seen it too much last offseason or the last postseason I should say every single game they got down Mm -hmm. like that and they came back and they came back and this I mean didn't have to do it as much at all really this postseason like they had played a close game with the the Browns for a little while but still like you just never felt like they were going to lose that and And people my brother other people they they kept saying they, uh, they kept asking me all these questions and I always came back to basically that. I said, until I see otherwise, I'm going to believe that this team led by this coach and this quarterback will pull through, right. will make it happen. Mm-hmm. And, again, it was just a confluence of factors that just the offensive line, a great game plan by Todd Bowles and by Byron Leftwich. The, I will absolutely say in that first half, that the officiating. I mean, that was – there was just a number of things that just the Chiefs, it was too much for the Chiefs to overcome. And if there's a silver lining that I'm going to take out of this, and it's awfully hard because I've said that to myself 
probably a dozen times over the last two days. And you're talking about a guy that has basically been sulking around for the last two days. I mean, I know how it goes, man. It's uh, this because it's a lot different from when, you know, it was exciting in 2014 when the Royals. Yeah. Got there because we didn't expect it to happen. And so when we lost in game seven with a man on the tying man on third base, you know, that was that it's against the greatest pitching performance in baseball postseason history. And it was it sucked, but we were playing with house money. Mm-hmm. This is a lot different because we full well expected to win. Mm-hmm. We were the better team mm-hmm. with the exception of what was going with both offensive lines. Uh, theirs was clearly superior to to what we had out there on our defense, and our offensive line was clearly inferior to everything they had on their defense. And again, that's not on Beach. That's not on the coaching staff. I, I will say maybe, I will say again, yes, if we had a, another offensive lineman in, in the first round last year, that would have helped. But again, you lost a Pro Bowl, All Pro, left tackle, right tackle combo. Right. You lost your ta- your book in tackles. That's going to be when that's where your money is invested. Probably, I, w- I would assume probably seventy percent of the Chiefs' often the money on their offensive line is invested just in those two players. Right. And so that's that's just a guess, but I would I would imagine it's probably close. And it's just it was just all these factors that just showed that Mahomes is special, Andy Reid is special, and we'll get to a little bit with some of the other stuff with Andy Reid in, in a minute. But it was. Just it just goes to show that the Chiefs are not. This isn't an invincible, crazy, amazing, God-powered OP team. This is a team that will lose when just there's just too much working against them. For sure. And there was way too many factors. And if there's the silver lining that I come back to, that again, like I've doubted myself in it so many times because we got our asses kicked and it hurts. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna this one's gonna sting for a, for a good long while. Uh, but the reality is we went to back-to-back Super Bowls. We've been that close to being back-to-back-to-back Super Bowls. Uh, I mean, fuck Tom Brady is the big thing here in Kansas City. And so that image of him grinning after after he got uh, – after Riley Jensen got Chris Jones, basically antagonized Chris Jones, which he – Riley Jensen, the Buccaneer center, was antagonizing Chiefs players all game long. Extra shoves, shoves to the face, mask, jersey pulls. Didn't get called for a damn one, but he got Chris Jones to commit a penalty. And you saw they did a they did a, a shot of uh, t- Tom Brady just grinning because Tom Brady knew it. He's like, I knew my guy was going to get him at some point. Mm-hmm. And so, but anyway, um, the silver lining I look at this is I really hope that Chiefs fans got humbled a little bit. I hate to say that, and I hate to sound like that person, but this is a big concern that I've had, and I've tried to tell a lot of friends, whether it's you know, my buddy Ponch, my friend Brian that lives in North Dakota, but so many of them are just like, oh, it's, we got Mahomes. We, 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 even even. The day before, or maybe it was Friday before the Super Bowl, like people were just like, dude, Mahomes will, Mahomes will overcome. It's fine. We got Mahomes. And I'm like, no, we need other guys to step up. I was like, yeah, we need him to step up. He needs to be the main guy to step up. But we need multiple other guys to step up because it is a team. And the team just – the team all around him just wasn't – I'm not going to say that all of them weren't up to par. Some of them were just outmanned. Like mm-hmm. it just – the, our offensive line just did not have the man the the manpower in there to be able to do the job necessary for Patrick Mahomes to to succeed mm-hmm. to excel the way that he usually does and what i really hope is that chiefs fans not necessarily be humbled but at least see the writing on the wall patrick mahomes can't do this all on his own right he is exceptionally special 
I do still think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. For sure. We saw some plays in that game that he damn near made that had he made them. I mean, there, there's one play, that play where he was uh, parallel to the ground, mm-hmm. and he still put that ball on the money. Yeah, 30 yards down. And Daryl Williams just it went right through his hands into his helmet. Mm-hmm. And is that like I, I saw some caption on that is is this the greatest incompletion in league history? And it's like it damn well might. Like that was incredible. How often do you see an incompletion that is number one on top ten worthy? I mean, and it, it, there was there was other plays that he made too. The one where he's spinning around, and he just chucks it into the end zone. That uh, Byron Pringle got close. He that was right into a spot where only Pringle could have gotten that in the corner of the end zone for sure. I mean, there was some insanely impressive, which that was another one. There was some defensive holding in that. But, hey, whatever. Um, <laughs> but Mahomes is special, more special than any other quarterback in the league. But he's, he can't do it on his own. The Chiefs have to invest in the offensive line. Stop investing in these playmakers. We will find, he will find playmakers. Look mm-hmm. at what Brett Favre did. Look at what Drew Brees did. Peyton Aaron Manning. Rogers. Aaron Rodgers. Who did I say Drew Brees? Yeah. Um, yeah. Even Tom Brady has turned a bunch of guys into stars. I mean, great quarterbacks create superstars around them. Mm-hmm. Great quarterbacks make a lot of money for their playmakers around them. But you know who make the quarterbacks a lot of money? A good offensive, offensive line. line. The offensive line. That's where there's a reason the game is won and lost in the trenches. Yeah. This obviously, game was primarily lost. Go out and get a bunch of bums because obviously <clears throat> that's what one of the reasons why Brady left New England. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, you can. You don't have to invest early picks into every. I'm just saying, like every year, you don't have to invest early picks into skill position players. You also need to just develop guys mm-hmm. who have the potential. Just need to work on a couple things, and that can save you a lot of money in yes. the long run. Because right now you're paying big money. Well, you were. Pay, I guess uh, the Watkins deal is different yeah. now, but you were paying big money to two wide receivers. You're going to have me, Cole, coming up probably soon. asking for some quite a bit of money soon. And you're going to be an organization that's going to have to, like, look at some of those guys and be like, sorry, man, we're not paying you. You're going to, you're going to hit the market. Yes. We're going to draft your replacement. And that was the intention with Michael mm-hmm. Hardman is to eventually be the replacement for Sammy Watkins. And sure. that's – you can see that was their intention by drafting Lucas Niang is to eventually mm-hmm. replace either Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz, whichever one has that combination of – too expensive and declining. Right. Uh, First, that, yeah. that 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 um, the convergence there for of sure. Whichever one made more sense, and I don't blame Lucas Nang at all. Just like I don't blame uh, LDT for opting out. Mm-hmm. But it just it was it it was a concern back then. And then when you lose the two best linemen you have on the team, the two that you are that you needed more than any other. It was just yeah, it was just too many things working against you. And so yeah, you still obviously have to go draft skill position players, but. We have this, spent too much time draft. relying on unknown guys, guys that we've mm-hmm. gotten off of scrap heaps. You look at Andrew Wiley, Stefan Wisniewski, and Austin Ryder, all were guys that we picked up from other teams For on sure. the waiver wire. And you can do that. We spend they, our they money on the tackles. Players. And you, yeah, yes, you can, that's a way to go. And it works. We proved that last year. But you have to invest money on talent somewhere on the offensive line. And the tackle is a way to go. But, again, that just it blew up in our face this year and solely investing in that. You need to maybe just do it a little bit more across other spots in the offensive line. And that's and I, that's where maybe a really good center would do. On, 
need to get better linebackers too. The well, and that was another one where Willie not having Willie Gay out there, I think that hurts because we tried to. It, that was another one. We had our second overall pick, or yeah, our second round pick that wasn't out there because of a, a high ankle sprain, and or no, he was it was the high ankle sprain, and then he tore his meniscus uh, a couple weeks ago in practice because uh, he was on his way back, but uh, which fortunately is not a blown knee blown out knee or anything just torn meniscus he should be ready by next season but probably by camp honestly meniscus doesn't take that long and that was that was a concern after when he got injured late in the season because it was like our top three picks are all out you know that mm-hmm. was like because uh, we still had Clyde Edwards Elaire trying to come back from his eye ankle sprain and mm-hmm. and that was, was one two three all and again I like the Lucas Neing pick but when he opted out, that all of a sudden meant that was a wasted draft pick on a For team that season, is trying to yeah. win a Super Bowl. For sure. And I'm not going to blame Brett Beach on that. He had no inkling no. that you don't, you he was going to opt out. And that was the right call to go get an offensive lineman. And a guy who, had he not gotten injured his senior year at TCU, very well could have been a first-round pick at tackle. Sure. So, and I still like Lucas Niang. But that was just they need they they need to do a lot more to protect Patrick Mahomes and yes they need to invest in another when I've done all these mocks that I know I you me and Ty and all have been on that that PFF mock draft simulator and I've drafted linebacker a lot of times in the second round for the Chiefs sure. because there's a there's some good linebackers in this draft and I think even though we spent a two on Willie Gay I think we still need another one yeah because. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Hitchens just isn't cutting it. Damian Wilson makes some plays sometimes, as does Hitchens. And I like Ben Neiman. He's he's tough. He brings a lot of the intangibles. He's a gritty player, but he's coach. just he's just not good enough to be starting on a Super Bowl defense. No. Nope, he is not. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Chiefs address those issues in the offseason. Like we said, it's a, a deep offensive line draft. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the the really well like good players are at the top of it but i mean there's you're going to get starting quality players still in the second and third round yep uh and like i said the the center from usc whose name escapes me has been mocked to the chiefs quite a bit just like uh the kid that ended up in new orleans last year cesar uh, ruiz cesar ruiz i'd love speaking of usc i love if, if elijah vera tucker fell to us i'd love that you know if i think that's the guy i was thinking of oh i think i, I think he's a guard, guard or tackle yeah they have him listed as tackle and a lot of stuff I've seen, but Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State, Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama. I mean, there's there's a held. Uh, speaking of Alabama, their their center, um, Landon Dickerson would love to get him. Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma. The there's, Wisconsin Whitewater kid we were talking about. That oh gosh, the yeah, yeah. Who we'll, we'll we'll talk about Senior Bowl next week. Yeah. when Ty is back, yep. um, gonna push it back another week because that was something. But, fortunately, it's not time sensitive, and yeah, and that was right. something where Ty texted us in our group chat yesterday. Said it's officially draft time, and I was like, Man, give me just, a few days. Just give me some time, and then I can <laughs> get there. Like like and this is like I was literally like in my recliner at home, just like I'm not ready for this yet. Okay? <laughs> I, I I looked at that and I was like. A little too soon Ooh, for one member of the tailgate. <laughs> Probably just wait a few days on that. But Ty, but, you know, he's been cooped up at home. He's all he's yeah. all pumped up and excited. And this and is normally our most exciting time of the year. Yeah, like I I love the draft. That's the reason why we got into doing the draft game mm-hmm. was all of our interests around the whole the whole pageantry around the draft. You have the combine that is televised from start to finish. 
usually. Obviously, this year is a little different, just like last year. Uh, we did get a combine last year, but obviously the whole draft process has changed because of, because of COVID. And we're going to dive really deep into that, uh, especially with our draft battle against the Spoken coming up. Um, it's going to be a fun time for that. Uh, yes. But moving on with current events with the, the NFL, we have gotten word on some trades are probably about to happen at the quarterback position. Uh, we already got one. Uh, we talked about it last week, the Stafford trade to uh, the Rams is the beginning of what can be and I think will be monumental, huge offseason for quarterbacks. Uh, obviously, we have what's considered right now to be one of the deepest first rounds uh, at the quarterback position in a while. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, that doesn't always work out. We've had what were considered deep quarterback drafts in the past where you end up with a lot of busts, i.e. the Goff-Wentz draft, because uh, you also had Paxton Lynch in the first round. Think of all, how all their careers have gone so far. Mm -hmm. Probably not what people expected. A fourth-round pick came, ended up being the, the best quarterback in that draft, yep. Dak Prescott. Um, but the Carson Wentz trade, uh, I think Ty – yeah, Ty texted the group, and I, I saw the reports. It was mainly local reporters, which yep. you had a kind of – and none of them were, were sports reporters, which was the first inkling to mm -hmm. me that I was like, oh, I don't know if these people are as connected as we think, but they re were reporting basically that the Carson, Carson Wentz trade to Chicago was being finalized and even had compensation, and here we are. Four, or five. Four days later, yeah, still nothing. That. Still nothing is official. Um, and what what what's funny is, and this was mentioned beforehand, and I'd heard this too, is that they I'd read a report that they were looking for a Stafford like <laughs> haul in return. It's not gonna happen. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I said it today. I was like, <laughs> I think Carson thinks. I think that they think that Carson is gonna be the Stafford of a trade, and I think he could possibly be saw the that, golf dude. part yeah, of the trade. I where, was at the gas station when I saw that, and I was like, oh my god. Where gosh. they're gonna maybe have to throw in a pick just to sweeten the deal because of how bad the contract that they're taking on is. They're they're doing yeah. What what they're looking for is they're offering the inverse of what the Rams did, whereas right. the Rams are saying, hey, we're gonna give you extra. Yeah. We're gonna sweeten this pot. Yeah. In order for you to mm -hmm. take on. Goss deal yeah, to Detroit. This is it. Philadelphia saying, we want you to sweeten <laughs> the pot for yeah. us to be willing to eat a large portion of that contract. Correct. So, like, I honestly think, like, that they, they're thinking, like, oh, we can trade him to, like, Indy and get, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brissett back. Yeah. And then, like, maybe some picks. And it's just, like, they're probably like, oh, we'll send you Brissett. <laughs> but we're not sending you more than one pick, uh -huh. and it's probably not a first-rounder in general. Uh -huh. like, I don't think they're getting one first-rounder out of him, let alone two. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't. They might be able to get one just because of eating that much of a contract. Sure. But And then a player, because the, the deal that we saw thrown out for Chicago was <laughs> Foles. a one, Tariq Cohen, and Nick Foles, which would just be – Oh, Unreal for him hilarious. to be back in a in Philadelphia traded, for the third time. <laughs> traded for that guy. Oh man! But uh. I just because I I, te I texted them and I saw this great tweet and it was uh, <laughs> Chicago trading for uh, Carson Wentz when Deshaun Watson is available is just like or it would be like uh, 
the Bears trading up for Mitchell Trubisky when Deshaun Watson is available. Bears are going to bear, basically. Yeah. And I just I know you'd have to give up a hell of a lot more for Deshaun Watson, but Deshaun Watson's a hell of a lot better than Carson Wentz. Right. And well, do you are you really Chicago Ryan Pace are you really going to trust the guy who oh well we traded up to get the number 2 overall pick in the the top quarterback taken in the two, the 2017 draft and right. he couldn't get him going let's trade a one and the quarterback we traded for last year and our one of our best if not our best offensive playmaker for the number two overall pick from the year before, who also was also couldn't be fixed by a protege of the same coach that our coach came from, and like maybe this will work. He couldn't fix Trubisky. Maybe he can fix Wentz. The funny thing is, so I have I have quite a few people I follow being from the, that part of the country uh, that are Bears fans. And there was there's one guy in particular that I was interacting with on Twitter the other day that was uh, saying he's like, I really really like Carson Wentz. I think this would be a great trade for us. And I'm like, try, I just threw out stats. Like he's he's like, oh, you're really gonna throw this guy under the bus for one bad year? I go, honestly, in my opinion, I know that there's stats that go his way, but if you look at his total career, he's only had one great year. Yeah. The, the year that he went down when they ended up winning the Super Bowl, that he was the favorite for the MVP when he got injured, is the only year where I'd say that, like, I was, from start to finish, super impressed with Carson mm-hmm. Wentz. And he's like, throws up his stats, and I go, okay, well, you need to show the fumble stats, too, because he turns the ball over more oh, fumbling the ball than he does throwing interceptions. And he has, I know he has 58 career fumbles. So his touchdown to turnover rate is actually almost one-to-one which is insane. Spectacular. Yeah. And the guy's like, oh, he's like, I'm so happy for you. I'm like, happy for I'm just, I'm, I don't care either way. The Bears are going to bear. But don't make it seem like he's this all-world quarterback. And then the same guy I saw interacting with someone, the guy goes, honestly, I'd rather have Derek Carr. And he's like, you'd rather have Derek Carr than Carson Wentz? I was like, did you, have you watched football the last four years? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, absolutely. You should want Derek Carr more than Carson Wentz at this point in his career. Derek Carr has done what you hope Carson Wentz can do, and exactly. that is where he looks like an MVP caliber quarterback, suffered a drastic yeah. leg injury, yeah. wasn't the same player for a couple years, and then this year Derek Carr seemed to return for some games, not right. the whole season, mm-hmm. but he seemed to at least flash the guy, the MVP candidate quarterback that he'd been before. Right. That's what you want Carson Wentz to do. So for anybody mm-hmm. to sit there and say, oh, you'd, I'd rather have Carson Wentz than, than Derek Carr. What? I mean, yeah. why? Did you, did you watch Carson Wentz at all this year <laughs> or last year? I don't think a lot of people did. I'm like, he had some of the worst plays for a quarterback that well, I've they, ever they seen. Tr- the NFL tried to plaster the Eagles all over Sunday <laughs> night and Monday night football all the freaking time. Yep. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, some of the biggest regression, regression from a quarterback that – was an MVP candidate that I've ever seen. And Doug Peterson's um, just da, 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 yeah. da, da. Like, I'm, I'm going to sit out for a year, and I'm going to be a hot coaching candidate next year. Absolutely. People realize that it was the Eagles and, and Carson Wentz and mm-hmm. not me. And it's, yeah, it's puzzling to me that they, like, seemingly made the, the decision, decision 
Well, the, yeah, the decision to move on from Peterson because they wanted a coach who could fix Wentz, and now they're like, the Sirianni probably came so, in and was like, "Ooh, Nick, how do you feel about yeah, Jalen Hurts?" Yeah, exactly. And he uh, honestly, I, I would, I could see Sirianni coming in and been, being like, "I want Jalen. I don't want Carson. Mm-hmm. He's cheaper. He's not broken. I can work with something where I can mold someone who's not broken. I don't want a guy who's going to take up our cap on top of." Yeah. Not Guess what? Player. We're going to eat that money because we don't have to pay Jalen for another for sure. couple of years. So absolutely. And I honestly think that the Sirianni hire was, oh, we can't get Frank Reich, the one offensive coordinator we've had that has made Carson look great. So let's get his offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that all uh, plays out. But like we like we said, this is going to be a very interesting off season. A lot of quarterbacks that are rumored to be on the market. I mean, San Francisco 49ers were in on. Uh, were <clears throat> sorry in on uh, Stafford and mm. pulled out because they couldn't get the extra offensive or the extra first round pick to uh, sweeten the deal for that. So clearly they are interested. I mean, they in moving could on. have. They're just not as not as crazy as Les Snead and the Rams are. Sure. Yeah, and uh, they were in on Brady last off season. So mm-hmm. they're really not tied to Garoppolo. And I I think that this is a big off season where a lot of a lot of court, uh, a lot of teams with quarterbacks where they're not overly tied to aka the Raiders with with Derek Carr uh 49ers a lot of those teams are looking at it like this is the time to make a move mm-hmm. there's a lot of quarterbacks potentially available there's quarterbacks in the draft no matter what you can move up do whatever you need to do but a lot of quarterbacks are going to be on the move I feel like this offseason with just, with just the Stafford trade is just the beginning we're going to see a lot of movement um but we'll Still potentially Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers, I mean, the Texans came out and said that, no, we are not interested in dealing Deshaun Watson. Well, guess what? You know, I'm not interested in getting oil changes or, you know, having to get tires replaced and stuff like that on cars. But guess what? Sometimes you don't have an option. I don't think he'll get traded until after the draft. I agree with that. Um, I think that they're going to let that play out. Um, And if you see them maybe move up in the draft and take someone, then you can see it. Maybe around then, but I I really do think that that organization wants to try to like get him in the room with the coach because there's been a lot of positive talk about like hey if he can get in Deshaun's ear Deshaun will love the guy mm-hmm. but it's getting him in the room and Deshaun's so past that right now because of how everything's been handled the last few months that it's going to be hard to do but like I said we got to see how it plays out. Um, yeah, just a lot, a lot to deal with there. A lot. It's it's yeah. It's going to be monumental. It's going to be just. It's 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 already started and it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, we already saw a swap of two former first overall picks, yep. and it's it's just going to keep getting more and more crazy now that the season is officially over. And yeah, it's. Uh, I'm still going to take probably another few days to <laughs> kind of grieve and mourn this uh, this whole process a little bit, but. Uh, it's. I'm still very excited mm-hmm. for next season, and not just not just as a Chiefs fan. I mean, yes, as a Chiefs fan, because <laughs> big picture, we just went to back-to-back Super Bowls. So, and yeah, we got our ass kicked in the second one, but 
you know, you're still returning a lot of talent, and it's not going to be hard for the Chiefs to get under the cap, returning most of this talent next right. year. So, There's always ways to rework deals. And Until and I see another team in the AFC from the AFC go to the Super Bowl, <laughs> I can, I'm can i still going to pick the Chiefs to at least go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. But, um, but, no, it's going to be a lot of fun seeing how things continue to shake out mm-hmm. for the league in general. I mean, there's... There's a lot of teams that think that they're a quarterback away or a piece here or there away. And honestly, like with how young the AFC has gotten, they should feel that way. And Buffalo is an example of that. They (laughs) went out and got Stephon Diggs, and we were not high on that move when they made the move and and leading up into the season. It turned out to be, oh, it benefited both teams without a doubt, but he was that missing piece that (laughs) Buffalo needed. And now you think maybe they're on offensive linemen away or (laughs) just just another piece or two away from – they could be that team that yeah. that are able to knock the Chiefs off the AFC pedestal. Yeah, I think uh, definitely with how we saw them them improve, and obviously uh, just Josh Allen improve uh, his passing ability he, that he's flashed for a lot of years, uh, f- kind of came f- to fruition. And I did say a couple weeks ago until like this is he's now at the point where I'm like, all right, I'm I'm interested to see if you can sustain because at every level. He has mostly struggled with his completion percentage, and this was his best year by far. And if they can go out and get him another quality receiver maybe and uh, yeah, continue to build the offensive line, that's a scary team all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Like They were already a very good team down the stretch of this last year, but it's, it's going to get harder and harder for the Chiefs to win because not, not to win in general. I think that they're going to run that division for a long time. But to sustain going to the championship game and going like you were you have that early part of the window that we saw with like Seattle to where you win your title and then you go back and then nothing's guaranteed from there because the league is starting to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And but having the perfect uh, formula to beating a team like that is not easy. Like these teams have to invest in a lot of quality defensive linemen and they have to be able to cover the receivers because it's one thing to get pressure. Pat Mahomes is very good against pressure normally. Mm-hmm. It just was the perfect storm in that one game where you just can't overcome. Yeah, and I and I do firmly believe that the Chiefs, this will not be their last Super Bowl under no. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, and I'm not just talking about appearance. I think title, period. Yeah. Because he still made and he damn near made enough special plays where there was two potential touchdowns that were dropped. I mean – Yep. You know, the Tyreek Hill one that, yeah, there was a hand in the face. It still went right through his hands and hit him in the face mask. I mean, there was yep. – he put a, he put a ball on the money that, that Pringle was the only person that could have caught it. Like, this – there was a few plays that could have gone differently where we're looking at Mahomes with three touchdown passes, and this game could be could have been a hell of a lot different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is it is what it is, and – God, I hate saying that. Um, it is what it is. But it's – Hey, man, I've been there. The <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, the – the the run that the Celtics the Celtics had. in yeah. uh, 0809 yeah. yeah yeah there was a year in between but like that year in between KG went down we were the best team in the league mm-hmm. before his injury uh, and it was kind of a perfect storm we watched a team that we knew we were better than go to the finals lose to the Lakers the team that we had beat and then we had a chance up at halftime double digits to beat them and the refs called foul foul mm-hmm. foul. And it's it's hard to overcome that, and it sucks to see, especially when you know that you should have gotten that second title. But 
it's you're in a lot better shape than my team was. We were on the back end. It was guys in their thirties. Like, yeah, yeah. We had some young players to build with, but they weren't the focal point of that yeah. team. So, and I, yeah, I, I full well expect maybe not this year, but I mean at this point, yeah, like I said, I will pick the Chiefs again. Oh, I'm curious to see what they do in the offseason. I'm curious to see what to, what other teams do. And, barring barring like and, the Colts getting Aaron Rodgers, and even then, I'm still probably picking the Chiefs. Yeah, like. I just don't see – I see Patrick Mahomes is also the kind of cat where this is going to motivate the hell out of him. And it's scary to think that in an offseason in which he was MVP worthy mm-hmm. – uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers deservedly won it, but there's other years where Rodgers wouldn't have thrown 48 touchdown passes that mm-hmm. Mahomes probably would have won the MVP. Correct. Especially considering if he plays Week 17, there's a good chance he would have gone over 40 touchdown mm-hmm. passes. I mean, and – He's, uh, he had another MVP-worthy season. Yep. That's two out of three that he started or the, the, he, as a starter. And really, it could be argued that the 19th season, if he didn't miss two and a half games, that he could have been he could have been there as well. I mean, he's he's a special quarterback, and now he's got it. He's going to come in with a big ass chip on his shoulder mm-hmm. after what just after being embarrassed. And there was, I was something I said during the game. I was like, the fix is in. This is me pissed off. Like right after the game, I was like, the fix is in. The league wants this. They're not ready to for to hand over. And this is me just pure. This is not one of my conspiracy theory things. But this is, think about this. They want. They're not ready for Brady to hand over the mantle just yet. They're gonna make sure that Tom Brady wins this one, beats Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and then there's gonna be this crazy confluence of bullshit next season that happens come playoff time, and we're gonna find Buccaneers, Chiefs in the Super Bowl again, and then the shit won't go wonky. The penalties and the officiating. And the Chiefs won't have offensive line issues again like they did. And the Chiefs will end up coming out and pulling a tough one over, like a, a late win or something. And then that will be the handshake and the big moment of, okay, Mahomes is the guy. And, and I told some people, I was like, don't, like, I mean, come on. The fa- like, it could happen. It could happen. I mean, yeah. and if, if, if something like that does happen, I'm immediately going to be like, yeah, the, the league is, this is fixed. This is this is scripted. <laughs> um, but we think of all the, all the times many... when something similar should have happened. Yeah. Like when you th- think back to like the, uh, nine season, uh, you have a chance to have far versus Manning. True. True. And it goes to breeze. Things, things just don't always, yeah, just things like, don't work out. Things you, change. You never get, you, they've never had a Brady versus Rogers Super Bowl, mm-hmm. which would have been huge. Like it's just certain players, get all the calls from the officials because of how they treat the officials. And unfortunately, that, should, that shouldn't be a thing at all. And why I don't think that there should be interaction between players yep. and officials at all. We should be beyond the point of needing people on the field to tell us when something is offsides and when a penalty should, should happen. But, hey. These things happen. This was definitely a game where in that first half it was some of the most egregious, ridiculous, outlandish, clearly <laughs> – just it was being called down one side, but again, there was way too many other factors that that was just one of many factors that had the deck stacked against the Chiefs. Not somebody stacking the deck, just just life in general, mm-hmm. just the odds stacked against the Chiefs because it was just too many things. It's it's <laughs> the continuing continuation of 2020, just hitting hitting the Chiefs' kingdom right. uh, a little over like five weeks too late. You know, five yeah. weeks after it hit everybody else, and so. 2020 just kind of lingering around to wait, be like, oh no, we've got we've got something for you, Chiefs fans. But back to like off this little tangent, 
this is a, a big chip on, on Patrick Mahomes' shoulder. And let's see, last offseason I mentioned some other guy who was going to go into the season with a chip on his shoulder. And, oh, that guy just went and won the NFL MVP. And mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes is better than that guy and has a better surrounding, supporting cast. If the Chiefs make some moves on the offensive line and are able to keep healthy on that offensive line next mm-hmm. year and keep Mahomes healthy, watch out. Next year he is yeah. – I, I, they need to commit to the run more. And you saw that some – Clyde Edwards-Hilaire showed some – some real special flashes in the Super Bowl. I mean, Definitely. he he was running. I mentioned he was before the hard, show. Man. I like with it only being a two possession game at the start of the second half. I saw uh, Elaire rip off a couple decent runs on that first drive, and then it just seemed yep. like they still would like get in those situations where it's just they, like it was. Oh, I think it was the first play the from scrimmage of the second half, and they showed mm-hmm. that the Chiefs had not had any plays of 20 plus yards and it was literally 10 seconds later he runs off that like yeah. 22 23 yard run and back-to-back double digit yard runs on on that drive i was just like all right like yeah you can run the ball they average 6.3 yards per carry in that game and then there's only 17 attempts all game. this is like oh, and it's something where i think the chiefs need to look at is maybe do try to and that's another reason i they need to invest in the mm-hmm. offensive line the interior in particular is to open up that running game more. Sure. Because if we have the running game, why do you think Aaron Rodgers had such a great game or such a great season? It's because Aaron Jones was running roughshod behind that great offensive mm-hmm. line, arguably the best line in the league, mm-hmm. and before Bakhtiari got hurt yep. and went all, went all over the place. I mean, yeah. that's another thing, now that I mention it, look how lucky the Buccaneers got by having you face a Packers team in the NFC Championship without Bakhtiari, and then you face a Chiefs team without Fisher or Schwartz, Three of the best tackles in the in the NFL. Well, Fisher's Washington not, football team without Alex Smith. Yeah, they. I mean, they faced a lot of they. They had a lot of lucky breaks that went went their way, and so Tom Brady's just one of those guys. Like, I mean, I'm going to say it again. Fuck Tom Brady. Like, and I'm definitely on board with that. But that guy is one of the luckiest sons of bitches like, in, that the NFL has ever seen. I mean, you have to have a lot of luck to get to ten Super Bowls, and even more luck to win seven of them. A lot of things work in your favor, and. Yeah, I'm pissed off with the officiating, and I feel like there was some shenanigans going on. But, God, the guy is fucking good. He's very good. That is the highest quarterback rating of any Super Bowl he's played in. Like, Well, again, he was getting whatever the hell he wanted to. Sure. Anyway, anyway. But still, but no, he to that point. Like he years old. He played an outstanding exactly. game. and He should have had a pick. Got taken away, but whatever. I'm, I'm done with the sour grapes there. <laughs> um, no, that's – yeah, it's – Ready to move on to next season, see what they can do, see what Andy Reid and the coaching staff can do, to because most most of the coaching staff should be returning. I say should be because that was one of the big things that happened just a couple days before the game is uh, Andy's son and outside linebacker coach Britt Reid uh, was involved in that car accident uh, on an entrance ramp on 435 off of Stadium Drive, right by Arrowhead. Admitted to be drinking. Admitted uh, that he'd had some Adderall and had two to three drinks, mm-hmm. which that's uh, officers here, two to three drinks, or I've had a few. Especially when you're on. That can be, yeah. On prescription pills, that's not a, not a good recipe there. And um, all hopes and prayers go out to that little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the scariest situation of it. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard people sit there and try to be like, well, what the hell is a five, four- and five-year-old girl is doing out? You know, that late anyway. And it's like, well, she was a mom that went to go help her cousin who ran out of gas. Like, 
That's you, don't, you want her to leave the kid at home? Like that's yeah. If you don't, that's something. If you're, and I'm not a parent, but I remember stuff stuff would come up sometimes, and my mom or my yeah. dad would just say, "Okay, kids, get in the car real quick. Yeah. You know, put your shoes on, get in the car." Like yeah. that's. And that's, secondly, just don't criticize people that are the victims. Like period. Absolutely not. That's there's, that's a terrible, terrible look. Yeah. And I understand there's a lot of people that are going to be defensive about it because it happened involving a Chiefs player. I'm sorry, a Chiefs coach. And, and anybody surrounding the Chiefs, period. And that naturally it's something where whenever an athlete or a coach, somebody involved with our favorite organizations does something against the law or does something shady with somebody involving somebody and there's a victim involved – there tends to be a lot of victim shaming just because it's a natural inclination to try and take the side of your player or your coach. Yep. And that's wrong to do. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that's extremely pervasive throughout the sports industry. And you look at it, a lot of female reporters get, just get blasted by fans. For Jen Sturger has talked about it after Brett Favre sent her a picture. And we all, you all know what I'm talking about. Ten years ago, 12 years ago now, and Jen Sturger is the one that 10 years later still gets shit for it, has had trouble finding jobs with it. She was out of the New York market yep. because of that. And it's, it's insane. Like, and that's where it's encouraging that a decade later, the general manager of the, of the Mets was fired, and that shows that there has been growth in regards to this. But regardless, victim shaming needs to be stopped altogether, and especially because you're trying to be like, well, it's the Chiefs coach and blah, blah, blah. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. Now, having said that, it doesn't matter who it is, is something I just have to dive into real quick, is that there is a former – he's, he's, still, he's still a sports media presence in the city, but he, he got – he's a, a disgraced former radio host mm-hmm. in the city, and I'm not going to mention his name, but I, I think most of you know who I'm talking about. And he got fired for – he got, he got let go from his job a couple years his ago. His own radio station. Yeah. And no, because of comments that he made regarding the Reed family <clears> – <throat> And when he did that, it was while the Tyreek Hill situ- suspension and investigate- league investigation was going on into what had happened with his child, with his son. And which that it, everything got thrown out. Like that's regardless, the story of it was that this radio personality was attempting to use what had happened to Andy Reid's family in the past when he was in Philadelphia to show that Andy Reid is not good at managing people. And he's not, he tries to help people and save people and he's just not good at it. And he tried to use examples of what had happened with his family as an example of why he's not, uh, he's, he's not cut out to be the guy to try to help Tyree kill. And, and this is also, this was right after what had happened with Kareem Hunt. And so this is, that was what he was trying to do. So I could see at least some shred of journalistic integrity mm-hmm. in what he was doing then by bringing up things that were mentioned in reports from 2007 after what had happened with, with Andy Reid's two sons, Garrett, rest in peace, and Britt. And I could understand what, he was do- what, what this radio personality was doing then. After what happened on Thursday night, on Friday, the same person was all over social media re- rehashing these things that had happened retweeting these, these, these reports from 2007 in regards to things that were said by the judge in Philadelphia about Andy Reid saying that his house was a drug emporium. And this was, just, this was the judge's opinion 
this case was thrown out. Mm-hmm. The Reed sons, they went through, they, they yes, they, they dealt with their legal ramifications. They dealt with the consequences. And the tragedy later happened involving Garrett. Uh, Andy has done a great, has done a lot of work trying to maintain as much of a positive relationship with his son, Britt, had Britt as he's been on the coaching staff since Andy retook the job mm-hmm. in Kansas City in 2013. And this unfortunate incident happened on Thursday night. And again, all prayers, heart goes out to this, to this five-year-old girl. But for this radio personality to start bringing up this information, this isn't about an NFL case with a player, where a troubled player. This is, this is something completely different. And to try and rehash these things, what is your, what's your goal? What is the end game of bringing up those points other than to try and just trying to throw Andy Reid under the bus. He has, an, he has a vendetta that, against Andy Reid for some reason. For, clearly. And <clears throat> if this had to happen, if Mike Matheny's son was on the coaching staff and the same incident happened to, I don't know if Mike Matheny has a son, but I'm just throwing out a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. If Mike Matheny had a son and he was on the coaching staff and he got involved in, in a car accident and there was drugs and alcohol involved and a child was put in critical, was injured and was in critical condition in the hospital, he wouldn't – nobody would be looking into Mike Matheny as a father right? in this. They would be looking at, well, he had a, a, a son in his 30, in his mid-late 30s who made a mistake. A grown man made a mistake. And – but because it happened to Andy Reid, he's bringing up these things from the past to try to show that Andy Reid is a bad father. The only thing that I can figure that, that, that he's trying to accomplish with that is that two years ago when he got blasted by other members of the media, by mm-hmm. – Kansas City in general, he got blasted by people nationally, other other peers of his in social media and in sports journalism. The only thing that I can think of that he's trying to do is to justify what he did two years ago and what he came out to say and to basically get everybody to apologize to him, to try to say, look, I was right, you all were wrong. You all need to apologize to me for blasting me two years ago. Like the, he wants, he wants Kansas City to give him a big old fat. Hey, we're sorry. It's not happening. No, no. Just this person has like I, I didn't have any respect for him after what happened two years ago. But if there had been anything left, and again there wasn't, it would be out the window. Like that, that is as just you, you, that's purely just out of spite to try and make people see that he was right. Like, this, that's purely what it is. Yep. And it's just, it's appalling. It's just despicable. Yep. And what, first and foremost, it goes to the, the well-being and the health of this little girl. Like, that's, and Kansas City responded in kind. The sister of the, uh, the sister of the mother of the two, the two children put, made a GoFundMe account asking for $100,000 Gracie was, I'm, I don't know if she, she probably wouldn't want me to say that she did it, but she retweeted it. A lot of people started retweeting it. And in a matter of two hours, it went from being under $300 raised to, I, uh, this, was, this was the day before the Super Bowl when I last saw it, but it was up to 85000 with a goal of 100000 And that was after two hours, after people started pushing it, including Kansas, the KCPN, started pushing it on social media and like that. Chiefs Kingdom responded. Yep. That's tremendous. That is awesome. That shows the power 
of this community and the power of Kansas Character City. Of the city. And, just... and that's something where, yeah, this, this certain sports personality, he can do whatever the hell he wants to. And it's, it's America, freedom of speech. But just fuck you, man. <laughs> like, and I don't, I don't say that lightly. Like, that was, yep. that, that's, that's absolutely just appalling. I hope, you, I hope we never have to hear you on the radio ever again. Uh, and Kansas City is showing you, yeah, you want us to apologize. You want us to admit that we were wrong and you were right. Not going to happen. We're in the right right now with trying to do what's important and take care of this little girl. And, yeah, he did at the end of the thing say prayers to, prayers for this little girl in most of his tweets. But why not just say that in general? Why do you have right. to include all, this, all this, these reports from 14 years ago? Correct. I mean, this is a grown man who made a terrible mistake, <laughs> and God willing, this little girl won't have to pay the price for it. So, yeah, had to had to just go on that little diatribe there. That was yeah. diatribe, 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 diatribe. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> With that said, uh, just wrap up this week's show. Um, I said tough week for sports in general. Um, with what happened to that little girl, but not only. That, but the loss of Marty Schottenheimer, who also meant a lot to this city. Duncan said before the show, probably third best, third greatest coach, coach in Chiefs, Chiefs history. Uh, Therese Paler, who worked as the Kansas City beat writer, lost him as well. And then in the sports world in general, Pedro Gomez uh, tragically lost as well the other night. Huge baseball uh, reporter, absolutely. key baseball reporter for a long time. <laughs> so as as always with that, uh, the tailgate sends our hearts out to those families. Uh, it's been a tough year in general. But uh, it's uh, yeah, yeah. And it's 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 not just 2020. Things yeah. are carrying on. I mean, this is I made the example to you, and I don't feel bad about this, and I don't think you do either. But it just it's the crazy things are happening. The first time in 60 years almost that you have Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke all outside of the rankings. Mm-hmm. Top. I brought up to him after he brought that up to me. So the top 13 teams in total college basketball wins none of them are ranked in the top yeah 25 so and I, I think it's the first strange strange 12 times. years that KU hasn't been in the top 25 mm-hmm. I mean that's where I will say if, if you want to you know Kansas Cityans Chiefs Kingdom KU fans make up a great point part portion of that segment so if that heartache for you guys to pours into this you know hey 2020 just extended <laughs> by a month or just you know delayed us by a month uh, five weeks or so then that's definitely part of it um, but that yeah that's I just needed to mention that, but that still doesn't touch the tragedy of, you know, this little girl. And then just, yeah, the shot and heart goes out to the Schottenheimer family. I know we've always been critical of Brian Schottenheimer. Mm-hmm. Hell, I was critical for a number of years of Marty Schottenheimer for the term Marty Ball. But it was the guy, he was a phenomenal coach for this organization. He came in and when the Chiefs had been bad for over a decade, came in in 1989, completely turned things around, drafted Derek Thomas, was like a father to Derek Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was it was a tremendous relationship that he had with numerous players, including one of the reasons why Joe Montana and Marcus Allen were so willing and, and thrilled to finish their careers in Kansas City. And Man, eighty nine was a big year for you. Hmm? It was I mean, they hired Schottenheimer and uh, K State hired uh, and hired Bill Snyder. <laughs> Bill yeah. Snyder the same year. Yeah, '89 uh, was a game changer for for yeah Wildcats and Chiefs fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was really like yeah there was a lot, there was some bad parts at the early part of this last decade. But it was Schottenheimer really kicked off a 
decade-plus-long run of excellence for the Chiefs that carried into the Dick Vermeil years and even somewhat with Herm Edwards. And then, yeah, a few down years under Pioli and, and uh, Todd Haley and Romeo Cornell, but then Andy Reid comes up and just rises it back up. And so it's been it, – it was it's that's tough to, to see Marty Schottenheimer go. And one of the things I always love Marty Schottenheimer for is he was all about rivalries. He really was a guy that – Raider week was a thing to him. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter how bad either team would have been, which usually, again, Chiefs weren't bad. But Raider week was huge to him. And he, he wanted to just kick the piss out of the Raiders. And that was, that was something that it's, I think so many Chiefs fans nowadays that it, uh, maybe didn't grow up watching the team as, as intimately as I did in the 90s that maybe became fans more during the Vermeil, Tony Gonzalez era and whatnot. Um, I think a lot of them look at the Broncos as our primary rivals, and I'm always going to think that the Raiders. Mm-hmm. I'm, in a, I, I'm a dedicated Raider hater. I used to have a T-shirt signed by Will Shields and everything, and uh, I think I still do, but I have no idea where it is. But uh, it was, yeah, it was Marty Schottenheimer really perpetuated that, and so he will be missed, man. Alzheimer's is no joke. Yeah. Like that thing, it, it really just steals steals people's steal people steals people away. So, again, hearts out to them. Rest in peace, Marty. Rest in peace, Pedro Gomez. Um, just little little lady. I'm not going to mention names or anything, but little lady in the hospital. Pull through. Mm-hmm. This uh, you got an entire community behind you and trying to support you and your family in any way that we can. And we're uh, a lot of prayers. A lot of prayers going out. So. For sure. We will uh, be joined, hopefully, next week by Ty again. We miss you, Ty. We do miss you. We miss the... The uh, little jokes off to the side where you just, like, have to look over and be like, did he say that? And then you see the little grin on his face, and you're like, yeah, he did. Yeah, he gave us, he sent us a little <coughs> meme and stuff of, like, outside the window, just, like, staring at us longingly. And yeah. I sent one back of, like, you know, the condensation in the window, just a little heart drawn in the condensation. I was actually a little bit upset, though, when I went to pick up the computer that uh, they put it in the back of Don's car and just, oh. like, left it on. I was upset that I didn't see Ty in the window just, like, staring at me. Truth be told, the gift that I wanted to put up and I couldn't find it at first was, I don't know if I should say it. Just say it. Brokeback Mountain when you see a hand on the windshield. Yes. (laughs) That's what I wanted to do. I miss you, Ty. Sorry, brother. I love you, man. But, Um, uh, yeah, hopefully he's back next week. Yeah, hopefully he has a better taste. Cover some senior bowl, talk some college. Has a little better taste for what's going on in sports. Yeah. Yeah, that was a uh, shot at Ty not being able to taste anything for the last week. Well, I mean, I guess this is no taste is good. To, no news is good news. No taste is good taste, or at least better than his usual taste. Everything. Just kidding. He's because he's excited. He's got to talk about Calvin Johnson is a first ballot Hall of Famer, so he's got things to talk about next week. The Senior Bowl. We well, can uh, talk about how my Chicago Blackhawks are better than we're above five hundred now, and we're better than his Detroit Red Wings. I mean, he has fully admitted that the Red Wings are going to stink this year. So, But the Blackhawks are above 500. <laughs> yes, we will get into all that with Ty back next week. And some NBA, some, some yes. fun stuff. We'll talk more about these crazy college basketball shenanigans. I mean, seriously, 60 years. 60 years since the four Blue Bloods were not in the top 25. It's going to be a very interesting tournament this year when you see like some of the teams that are potentially going to be one seeds, and you're just like, what the hell is going on? Just but ugh, craziness. Yeah. I mean, the Drake Bulldogs are undefeated. Yeah, a team that that beat K State in the opener because K State still sucks. Yeah, they're legit. They're fun. But K State, we'll no, in. we're not. Oh, Drake. Yes, yes, they are. Drake. Actually, have, State, I'm Drake, not a, Drake from State Farm. 
Drake from State Farm. I actually have a T-shirt on the way. Uh, it's from a company in Iowa. I'm not a Drake fan, but they're they're an Iowa team, so Why not? they're not Iowa State, so I'll support them. Uh, Win says, in Iowa says Drake. Same colors as Duke, but better at basketball. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one year that we can say that. They that's can say true. it; it's legit. So I'll have that. Probably be sporting that next week. We'll see, but we'll uh, see you next week with Ty, and uh, yeah, have a uh, safe week, Kansas City, because it's been rough. Still love you, Chiefs. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price Tool. Only from Progressive. The owl and afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Es mejor llegar tarde a casa que nunca volver a llegar. Es mejor llegar tarde al trabajo que nunca volver a trabajar. Y es mejor recoger tarde a tus hijos que nunca volver a recogerlos. Llegar tarde a donde vayas por esperar a que pase el tren es mucho mejor que arriesgar tu vida tratando de ganarle el paso. Por algo existe el dicho, más vale tarde que nunca. Alto, el tren no para. Mensaje de Netzer.